Welcome everybody to uh, another Workflow Wednesday, um, where we have a live Q and A with industry experts, people who um, the who are clients, customers, or just um, you know people who know their stuff in the industries that Puget Systems serves. Uh, today we have, let me see if I point right, uh, Mike Pesci, director and host of podcast In Love with the Process podcast. Is that yeah. part of the title? Yeah, in Love with the Process is good. In Love with okay. the Podcast is good. You okay. said that it's a podcast multiple times. That's yeah. I think that's good. So, uh, and so actually, and that actually leads into kind of the topic and, and the main point, but we probably will go off a little bit on different things. Um, I was most curious about the podcast, and so we're going to be talking quite a bit about that today. And um, as always, if you're in the chat and live, um, be sure to ask questions as well. Um, Mike's very, very knowledgeable in what he does. That's part of why he's here so um or at least i pretend to be so yeah you know that's okay i don't think anybody would be able to tell the <laughs> so um so yeah i guess i guess at the the generic beginning go ahead and introduce yourself for just in case anybody who is here doesn't know already um you know who you are what you do and uh, that sort of thing well you already did a really nice job introducing me my name is mike i'm a director I've been directing music videos, commercials, and uh, movies for about 19 years. Um, I also run a podcast called "Unlock the Process," where we sort of tear down the fake Instagram filtered walls that most entertainers put up, and uh, really give insight to people that want to get into this business or people that want to say goodbye to the nine-to-five lifestyle, which we all are right now. Um, how to survive that stuff? Um, we're also doing now um, a weekly uh, COVID special for our show where we're helping freelancers um, navigate like unemployment. We're helping freelancers sort of deal with motivation um, and how to create uh, task lists and how to become your own boss. And like I said, this is really spilling out to every industry. Yeah. Uh-oh. Because uh, most are working from home now, which is really difficult for some folks. Um, and so we just try to provide the knowledge that we have as freelancers having to do this for so long. Um, and I think a lot of that uh, works out for folks. Um, yeah. And then I met you guys years ago from Puget Systems, has been building me um, edit systems for years now. All of my movies, all my commercials are literally cut on Puget Systems stuff. So Yeah. Cool, right on. Actually, that just as you were as you were describing the, your podcast, it that led me to a question. It's not just filmmaking, or it, I know it kind of has led out outside of that industry uh, recently, but also in the past, I've noticed it isn't just uh, in uh, I mean, the the filmmaking industry. The problem is this: I wanted to have a show in which I could talk to people that I wanted to talk to, and one of the cool parts about being a director and a filmmaker is that it's social business. Mm-hmm. So I get to meet really strange people and get to talk about really <laughs> things. Um, and so the show is framed under the border of being a show uh, about filmmaking because that's the, the life I live. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've sort of spread that out to be anybody that sort of turns their back on nine to five. So we've got like chefs, uh, we, we've got barbecue pit masters, we have musicians, we have artists, um, we've yeah. Like uh, guys that are from the rating system for movies. I've had people that actually rate films on um, rock stars. Who the fuck else? Uh, the show's been pretty big, and yeah. and I think we're on like I think we're on like episode eighty. I think I just recorded episode like eighty four. Wow. Um, so it's kind of daunting if you go look for it. We're on Spotify and we're on Apple Podcasts. But if you go to, I'm plugging here. If you oh, go ahead. love the process.com on that website, I've curated the episodes based upon subject material. Oh, okay. If you're like, Hey, I want to go check out some chefs episodes and talk about food. I got that set, set up. Or if you're like, Hey, I want to listen to how computers are made and how you guys work. I got uh, those things set up. So, um, yeah, man, it's, it's kind of whoever I want to fucking, it's my show to do what I want. That's awesome. I love it. That's which, but that's really cool though, because it gives, um, it, it, I mean, it broadens the audience. It also, but also gives you an opportunity to kind of see more of how other people do what they do. 
because um, like it could be so easy to just kind of get locked into your own little your own little world and and eventually i mean eventually you probably run out of stuff to talk to like or talk about you know everybody ends up doing eventually the same thing if it's all under the same umbrella yeah but you know the, the funny thing is is that we all have the same needs doesn't matter what country you're from doesn't matter what you know language you speak you know we all have to eat you know we all want to be happy we all want to be healthy everybody has the same core element that, that they're chasing and everybody likes to think that they're an individual but we're all the same fucking person oh yeah and so um, connectability, that's really fascinating. The thing that I find interesting as a filmmaker is what people are obsessed with, what people allow themselves to become obsessed with um, and how they spend time, like what they're using their hands, like what are they working with their hands to make? Mm -hmm. um, that kind of stuff has always been really interesting. And part of my job as a storyteller is that I have to understand lives. I have to understand how people live their lives. So I'm going to tell fucking stories about people. So um, the podcast really suits my needs for that because it allows me to talk to folks and hear stories from other people and be influenced by them. Uh, and it also allows me to get access to people that I've always wanted to work with or will work with in the future. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, you know, I don't make a shitload of money, but I get paid with a, with access. That's cool. Do you, um, do you think that with the, the podcast, so like you were saying, you're, you're a storyteller. And so being able to talk with, uh, such a broad section of, of people, does that also then feed back in, into the filmmaking and, and that sort oh, of yeah, thing? You sure. kind of are able to tell the stories better. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, like at the end of the day, um, you're trying to figure out how people are dealing with, life and it, you're, you're trying to sort of figure out how people are dealing with anxiety and you're trying to feel you're looking at how people process love and how people process relationships those are all things that play into any story that you're making and and when you're dealing with like studio people they're always like it has to be relatable you know and so part of that relatability is understanding how human beings do things currently because sure. it's changing dependent upon what's happening with us socially. And um, so it's, it's, it's fun. It's really inspiring too. Like I'll, I'll have interviews with folks um, that I literally will finish the interview and go, that's really important. I'm integrating that in the way I do things. Oh, cool. That's so, cool. Do you have a particular example? I'm, I'm very interested to know. Uh, so recently I just did one, uh, I think it's Ryan Booth, which comes out two weeks from now. He's a director. I think it was him or it was Sol Solomon. One of these two directors that I just did. I did them both, I think, the same day, so they're blurred lines. Um, they were talking about how, from directing, how part of your job as a director, you don't really think about this when you're training. Like when you're like, I'm going to be a director and you're like, cool, I'm going to be on set and be telling people what to do on set. I'm going to learn how cameras work and I'm going to learn all this tech shit. And that's the sexy stuff. And that's the stuff that everybody's constantly dealing with. Yeah. Um, but the truth of it is that I literally do that maybe 5% of the year. Huh. So like 95% of my job as a director is writing pitches. It's having meetings. It's... Uh, trying to figure out a way to get the stupid idea that's in my head out of my mouth and into your head and you see the same picture that i see in my head man and so that's that's most of what the job is of a director is and one of these guys uh said to me that uh with, with pitching pitching is always such a bastard because you're always pitching to companies and there's such a low respect level of the pitching process where mm. I think a lot of the larger companies, they sort of take the Walmart purchasing approach, where it's just like, bring us in a bunch of options. And, bing, 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 bing. and there's sort oh. of a little lack of respect of how everybody's process works generally. Um, and sometimes you can get really jaded by it because you, you rejections. I got a stack of rejected pitches on music videos. I have stacks of them. So you go, you get rejected like 40 times before you get a job. And okay. it's pretty typical with anybody. Uh, and so the nice thing is talking about with other directors is that they tell you the same thing where you're like, okay, so it's, it's not just me. Great. So you also get rejected 40 times. But then um, 
this one director was like, look, one of the most important elements of your pitch is that you have to sell your process. You have to okay. sell how you find these things because there's no rule system. There's no, there's no like A plus B will always equal C with filmmaking. You're always looking for things in weird spaces. You're always trying to find natural moments. So uh, a lot of filmmakers will develop their own process to mine that stuff. Huh, okay. So like uh, when you're dealing with production companies and you're dealing with larger companies, they like to take the process and put it into a formula because it's easier for them to sell that formula to a client. Because a client will come to them and say, I'm gonna spend a million dollars on this thing. How's this thing gonna work? And the production company can't just go like, well, the producer's going to think about it or the director's going to think about it. (laughs) There has to be some sort of formula for them. And I think oftentimes what happens is that a lot of directors get bullied into that formula and then they try to produce the thing that they were hired to produce naturally within the confines of this formula, which is really difficult sometimes. Um, And so he had a really great strategy for actually selling his process and articulating his process in such a way that a client could understand it. And that was such an important element of his pitch was that it wasn't just like, I'm going to shoot this with a red camera. I'm going to, you know what I mean? He was like, this is how I do my casting. This is how I do my stuff. And he, I think he said like, if they don't understand it, Mm -hmm. then I haven't done a good enough job explaining it. Oh, that's cool. So So like it's, it's not it's not just about like how or not, it's not just where where you're trying to go the end product but like also how how to make it it's 100 percent how you get there that's really cool 100 how you get there. i yeah i can see i mean you see like in movies or or you know when they portray you know the the plucky guy who's got their screen you know their script or whatever and and it's all about it's all about the the idea oh i have the you know the hero and this and that and it's never about like well okay well how do we get that onto film and that's that's Dude, it's such a dangerous it's like it's like trying to it's like trying to go for a jog through a minefield yeah. it's such a dangerous thing to do because you're this business is elevated on such a romantic level and so over time you end up building an ego because you have to survive the rejection. Yeah. And so you're telling yourself I'm great and I'm still good and everything I do is amazing because you're consistently getting rejected. And so then the dangerous thing is that you start to believe that ego or if you get some success then you start to believe the bullshit that comes at you from success. Um, and so then what you're trying to do is have enough of an ego to inspire confidence in your clients, but at the same token, understand that that's just a sales pitch. And then you have to navigate the egos of the people that you're working with, right? Insecurities of the people that you're working with. And you have to navigate notes based upon that. It's a fucking, (laughs) honestly, if I, if I could go back to school or if I could go to school for filmmaking, I would go learn psychology. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just so that you have a better understanding on how humans are, like, what their body language means, what what it is that they're projecting, and understand all those different elements um, so that you're not taking shit personally. Sure. Because there's so many times, like, you'll get, like, I'll get notes on something and go, like, what the fuck? Does this guy not? And as soon as I start saying that in my head, I'm like, it's because they don't understand where I'm, okay. But that initial response is still fueled by, like, I've spent, like, 65 fucking hours to do the thing that they just dismissed and you have to like let all that stuff out of your system so i don't know it's it's such a bipolar bipolar job where you're like yes no yes no and you just consistently like in the course of a day you can like wanna like go buy a boat or go buy a gun and like the course of like one day wow yeah man and that's we were we were talking about we kind of touched on similar thing like before before we started today is like that's a that's a big part of it that nobody really sees yeah um yeah they i mean maybe some of the rejection part but maybe not not how much how and like and that's got to be a a similar thread through all of the people you talk to you know it's it's 
the chef guy who is trying to start a restaurant based off of this cool concept that he's got in his head or how many times did I bring this one recipe or barbecue sauce to how many different people and they said no 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 or that's that I feel like that's a very common thread throughout every industry is just rejection and how to overcome it and I did an episode with the chef and we were talking about uh motivation for for them because chef goddamn like being a chef or cook or running a restaurant if you decide that you're going to do that you're literally just going i want no life oh yeah i want zero like i've got a fan like i want a divorce you know what i mean like that's essentially what you're saying because you're you're pouring every everything into uh making a restaurant and i was talking to the uh one of the chefs on our show and he was like i would do it specifically for the reviews i would specifically create all this stuff because i knew that there was a food critic coming in and i knew someone was coming in and i'd work every day hoping that the food critic would come in and he's like uh so i finally was convinced by my partner to go on vacation yeah he was like you need it's been like years years at like 15 hours a day wow you need to go on vacation leave here and he's like i I went on vacation I finally got relaxed. I finally got into the spot. And then my, my business partner called me on the phone. I'm sitting on a beach or wherever he was. And he's like, the food critic is sitting here in the restaurant. <gasps> oh, no. So the guy like shit himself. He's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this is going on. And then his business partner's like, I'm just fucking with you. It hangs up the phone. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but That's so mean. Eventually, that critic came in the restaurant. Eventually, he was there for that scenario. Um, and I think part of that whole process for him was that he just started to get over that. He was just yeah. like, not about that. Um, but that's, that's growing, dude. That's, that's just spending time in whatever business you're doing. Right. Just kind of. No, would you say that um, you, you kind of mentioned like the ego part where you tell yourself, like, I'm awesome. I know what I'm doing. This, I'm the best. I'm cool. And um, is that is it is it more? I suppose is, and you said, you know, you mentioned that you could kind of get lost in that. Is it more, would you say maybe that it's better to just, um, rather than puff yourself up in that way or is, or maybe train yourself to just not care as much about the opinions of other people? Well, it's tough because if you don't, if you don't care as much about the opinions of other people, then you run the risk of disconnecting yourself from them. And so, the, the difficulty is that you have to find a way to connect and you have to find a way to, 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 to get through. Um, but then you have to deal with all this rejection and, and a big part of one of our biggest aspects of our job, whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, whether you're a director is that you, your job is to get up and keep going. And it's to get up and keep pushing because you're going to be knocked on your ass consistently. And as, as long as you get up, as long as you tell yourself that it wasn't your fault, or if it was your fault, you accept that, and then you move on, yeah. uh, and you continue to push forward, then you'll be successful. It, someone told me once that you'll be successful in this business as long as you can ride it out. Hmm. And so um, I think the fastest way, or when you're younger, the, the only way to to, to deal with rejection is to just be like, I'm the shit. I'm the, I'm the fucking shit. They just don't get me. I'm the shit. They just don't understand. And that's how you're just immediately sort of putting a bandaid on that wound and then going back out to fight again. Yeah. Um, I think over time you just sort of understand like, well, not everything's going to happen. And I, not, not, no matter how good it is, no matter how set up I am, no matter how much work I've done to come to this point, I may not get this job for reasons that are completely beyond my control. You know, and so you start to understand. It doesn't make it easier. Sure. But you, you start you start to sort of take those things in and, and dust yourself off and just like, I was fucked to begin with. So let's uh, let's go on to the next thing. That's kind of that's kind of the vibe. Yeah. How do you how do you separate? So you see, uh, you mentioned a couple times um, how some of it is like they just don't understand. Like, and how do you separate? I suppose the the fault in okay, am I just not communicating my part 
well enough or are they just obtuse and I'm talking to the wrong people? How do you make the distinction well, that's there? That's why I say I wanted to, I, I would go take a psychology course. The trick is, okay, with any kind of performance, and I was talking to an actor about this the other day, with any kind of performance, whether you're in front of a camera, or you're on a stage, or if you're, if you're walking into a room of investors, the trick to being good at it is being able to disassociate from the fear, from the anxiety. So like if you can go in there, because I think a lot of people when they first do that stuff are so wrapped up in like, I'm so afraid. This is so fucking intimidating. And, and then they start to do it and they're like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe. And that's what's in your head. You're like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation. I can't believe that this is happening. What did I say? And, and so then you're so internalized. And I think the trick is to figure out a way to externalize, if that's a word, externalize yourself um, and just leave all that stuff outside. So like going into a space and just being there, having this conversation with you and not just rattling off bullet points, Right. watching how you're responding to it giving notice that pause giving you a moment to process what it is that you're thinking about what i'm saying yeah and understanding that you're allowed when you're pitching things you're allowed to ask questions and it's actually better for you to ask questions where if i'm telling you this whole great idea and then i'm like so does that make sense to you and then they that person may say yes or no and then you go have you ever have you ever had a situation like that and then they talk to you. And then in that process of talking to you, they're engaged in the conversation and they're not just receiving information. Oh, that's so cool. There's, there's a bunch of different ways to do that sort of thing. Um, but I think it's just about being able to get over the anxiety, step outside that anxiety and understand that you are just as much in power and in control as the person that you're talking to. Um, volley that control around. Take that control. Give it back to them. Allow them to be a part of this the, the conversation. And if you do that correctly, uh, it's memorable. And they and and then that comes off as confidence, which is fascinating. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Is there is there a particular uh, pitch or? Um... Or I, I, yeah, I suppose it's one of those. I, I suppose it's a pitch meeting or or something along those lines. It stands out as one of your best, the one that you're like, aha, I nailed it. I knew it from the beginning, and and the one that kind of gives you the most confidence. Um, I've had a couple. I can't give specific names, but I I, I had a two years ago. I went in with, with my writing partner and we pitched on one of the movies and um, we just ended up in this office and the company name I didn't recognize. And then when I got into the office, I looked at all the movie posters on the wall and I was like, oh shit. You know what I mean? It was like, Ooh. these people have made this movie. These people made this movie. And so, you know, you're sort of sitting on the couch going like, okay, so this is no joke. Yeah, I thought this was just some small company because I'd never heard it stand before. This is a big company, um, and so we sort of pulled our shit together. And this, when we when we were doing pitches, we would do like four or five pitches a day, and the pitches take about an hour. Oh wow! So it's it's exhausting. And this was at the end of the day. This was at like the very end of the day. So we pulled our shit together. We went into this room and we really engaged. Uh, these producers and pitched the hell out of this movie to the point where I was doing exactly what we were just talking about and asked them questions and they would be involved and they were, we really love this idea and wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And we're like, yeah, and we can incorporate that. And so like that conversation goes from being more than just me saying, here's my idea and that person going, but them going like, ooh, that's fascinating. and This is cool. And how are you thinking about handling this? And then I go completely off script and just go like, yeah, this and this and this and this and this. And they're like, oh, that's really cool. And I'm like, yeah. And so then you just feel this sort of tornado of goodness where the room is just it. swirling and everybody sort of jumps up at the end and they're all like handshaky and they're all 
really excited. And this is such a great idea. And we really love to work with you. And we're like, fuck yeah. Oh, that's you know? cool. And we walked out of that room and we were like, yes, yes. And we're super excited. We're on the beach and we're fucking high-fiving and all that shit. And, and then uh, two days later, they, they passed on it. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. They, they fucking passed on it. And so then you're just like, how, 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 how did that happen? I went in there and I did everything the correct way. Yeah. I know I felt everything that was the right way. I know that they felt everything was the right way. And luckily that's what you have management and agents for it. And the, uh, I think it was the agent. It was like, uh, they loved it. They then had to go pitch it to their people. Their oh. people didn't love it. And, and I'm like, well, maybe they pitched it wrong. And they, and he's like, well, probably. And so then you're just like, well, I was fucked anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know, the long story of that is that's two years ago. Fast forward two years to now where we've convinced an even better company to do that movie. Ooh. And then that company is now taking that movie out this week. <gasps> so two, took two years. Two years from us, like, celebrating on that beach. I fight, And I know this because fucking Instagram rubbed my goddamn nose in it. Oh, a memory. A fucking update. And then, like, two years ago, and it was me and Will, like, on the beach going, like, yeah! And then, <laughs> fuck you. So, like, yeah, dude, totally. Wow. But at the same time, as much as that might sting, like you just said, now somebody has picked that up. It is coming out tomorrow, and even better people. And so it's that's like, got to feel pretty good. It's longevity. And who knows? Like, we, I've learned to, to celebrate the small steps. So I celebrated the fact that we teamed up with this company. So I was able to convince a company, and, and that's a celebration. Now this company is taking all our hard work and prep, and then they're processing it in their own way, and they've been really impressing us this week with how they're pitching it. And they've been sending us ideas and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's great. And so now they're going out. And we're now going out in COVID fucking world and trying to pitch a movie. So our chances are still at what our chances are at. So I don't expect... I, I expect that it's going to do well, but yeah. if it doesn't, it's not like I've sh done a shit job. It's not like I haven't done my job right. It's just yeah. we make this thing the best way you can. You raise a kid, you put it through fucking school, then it leaves your house, calls you every once in a while. Maybe you get a birthday gift. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, man, that's... Huh. So that's, yeah, I mean, wow. I especially, yeah, I'm not to, I mean, I feel like, I feel like every, every one of these sort of live things that we've done and, and pretty much everybody else done kind of beating the dead horse of the, the current situation. Um, yeah, yeah. But it seems, it seems like from what you just said that it, it really hasn't affected too much of the, at least the very beginning stages of, of what you do. Um, no, no, it had, I mean, cause dude, I was talking to my writer and, and, uh, he was like, I live in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> I literally am in quarantine all the time because he's writing and he's keeping himself closed off and he's just, he's dude, he's killing it, man. He's, he's writing my stuff. He's, he just got picked up by a major studio with a major property and he's writing like a big property for that. Um, but he's, you know, it's him and his dog. And he stayed yeah. in his fucking bunker and he just writes scripts all the time. So the prep is very secluded and, and locked off. And the quarantine is actually really good for prep. Cool. Because everybody else is stuck. Yeah. Um, but as far as making movies are concerned, we just heard now that we're not going to get released in California until like late July. Oh, dang. So, that, like lockdown is still happening straight through late July. Um, and then at one point they were like, maybe movies will start up again in, in July or August. Um, but who knows like the, at this point, at this the point, actual production part, like filming and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You still need to be around, you know, 150 fucking people. Sure. To, to make a movie. Yeah. So huh. it doesn't really affect the prep, but everybody's doing prep right now. Right. And so yeah. like, you're going to see such a plethora of ideas sort of hit the marketplace once the gates are lifted 
That's cool. Everybody is at home working on their dream script and working on their shit right now. So we're we're trying to beat them out. Hey, uh, that's cool. Uh, well, so but then how how has that maybe affected the podcast? Since since you can't have somebody like on the other side of the table from well, you're not supposed to have somebody on the other side of the table from you, at least. Cool. Um, it's been interesting. The, we've seen a bunch of change as far as our listenership goes. Mm. So prior to COVID, we would have a spike in listening on our release day. Sure. We would drop it on Tuesday and we'd get our hits um, and then it would just drop off. So it would drop off like a day or so after that. Right. Um, in COVID time, we're not seeing as much of a spike. So we're seeing a good amount of hits on the first day, but then it's consistent. Ooh. And so I think what's happening is that four uh, people would just listen to it when they rode to work. Sure. And now people are like, well, I've got a whole list of shit that I have to listen to. And so it just sort of gets stacked up. And so our numbers are twice as big now um, than they were before because we have a captive audience. Sure. <laughs> um, so new new view or viewers, new listeners and stuff as well then. like Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the goal, I usually get a spike in listenership when I go do someone else's show. So like, uh -huh. I'll go guest on like, um, film riot or I'll go guest on indie mobile and then those fans will like what it is that I'm selling and then they'll jump over to my show and then they'll sure. you know my show too so um, we try to do I try to do enough guest spots to just sort of keep that consistent because it's so hard promoting a podcast um, yeah there, there isn't a set set of rules for it and everybody's on Instagram and Instagram's tough because Instagram is a visual medium, so it's not necessarily an audio medium. Right. And then, you know, we're in this sort of transition where we're thinking about starting to film the show and I want to do it a little bit more than just the typical thing. But then am I starting a whole fucking filming production company that I'm filming the podcast? So I was going to ask if you were, if you had, if you, um, cause I've noticed, I noticed your, your Instagram posts about, you know, when there's, and when there is a new episode and, you know, there's like an audio clip in there, but I was, I was going to ask if like, well, you could film it. Right. Or, or, and then take little clips out of that and kind of. Yeah. I mean, we've done it. We did it with one episode. We did it with the Dana, uh, De Lorenzo episode. She's the actress from Ash versus evil dead. And we filmed mm -hmm. that and we put that one up. Um, it just triples our workload. Sure. And so what I've been trying to do with sponsors is say to sponsors, look, we want to get into doing, video stuff but we need larger sponsorships in order to su to support that because there hits a point where liam is doing so much work for me right now and if we're gonna do a show you need a you need a staff of like three people hmm. you need to have your could, could you tell my boss that because i've been recording our podcast on video and editing it myself among other things so <laughs> <laughs> Could could you let him know? Yeah. <laughs> the... <laughs> it just, um, it's so tough. Like I, I, I was lucky enough. I just did a music video for Zarface, um, and then um, we had Tom Segura on there, which was super cool, by the way. Dude. Very very cool. Uh, <laughs> him and Christine are such amazing fucking people, uh, and I got to go to their podcast studio and basically take over their podcast studio. That's um, cool. To shoot that music video, but I got to hang out with like Nadav, who's their producer. And I met their staff. They've got like a staff of like three or four guys that are just there. And you go into their space. I don't think I'm giving anything away. You go into their space and they have multiple rooms and they're just, there's like a guy there that's just doing subtitles. Wow. You know what I mean? And then there's a, there's a guy there that's like mastering the audio. And then there's a person there that's, pulling clips and cutting clips and posting and stuff. And so like, like, like live while they're recording sometimes. Yeah. Wow. And so when you, when you look at this stuff, you have to break it down into categories where it's like to correctly run a podcast, you need your front end. You need mm -hmm. someone that's booking guests, someone that's coordinating with guests um, and someone that's coordinating the schedule for the show. Um, you need your host 
who is wrapping their head around research on, on each of these subjects. And then in the back end, you have your media post-production, which is someone that's either editing the video and cutting the audio and putting that together. And then you have people that are doing promotional post-production, which is creating those clips, creating those animated clips, because that shit just takes so much fucking time. Yeah. Like I've got it down to a science where in for a show with the level that we do between cutting the show, hosting the show, creating all the graphics, creating all the promotions, it takes about eight hours for like one person to sort of go through and do that. So like we can record the episode and then after that episode's recorded eight hours later, everything's in place for it to go on. If I introduce fucking video into the element, yeah. I'm probably adding a whole nother day. Wow. And so if you're doing two episodes a, a, a week, so then, then you're you're literally in the you're in the the broadcast production business where yeah. you're trying to, to run this stuff and then asking people to do that shit for free. I hate that I have to do that because it's so hard to get sponsors to understand that this is what it takes. I think a lot of sponsors are just like, well, it doesn't cost you anything. You just have a microphone, you have a fucking and, and, and you're like no no no, no. It, it's that's that's only what it takes to actually just get the the content it doesn't that doesn't like you were saying it doesn't involve at all the advertisement or 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 just distribution of uh, well advertisement let's call it straight what it is like the social media posting the scheduling of where where to put it when to put it out who to talk to after the fact um do you like you said it takes you eight hours to just for the a few uh, it sounds like I'm minimizing it, but for just a few Instagram posts and things and like that animation and whatnot, that's, that's an entire day. Yeah. Dude, uh, that's like hustling. Yeah. Like when I was doing it on my own, I used to get so mad at myself because I would start and I would go, I'm just going to fucking throttle this. I'd sit down and I'd just do it. And I would consistently look at the clock and go eight hours, just consistently full wow. throttle, not taking lunch, not doing shit, just Full throttle. Wow. Up descriptions, writing up what the show's about, like literally having to change your brain from like, how do I remove the noise from this scene to how do I create a, 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 a bio for this episode that makes sense that people want to, that people want to click on. It's, it's literally doing like when I started, I was doing the job of five people. And right now I'm doing the job of, three people and Liam's doing the job of six people. Wow. So Man, it's, nuts. it's all this stuff that's happening with the show. And I'd like to get to the point where we have, honestly, like you guys are a great sponsor. I'd like to get to the point where we have like four of you guys, sure. I have four sponsors that are like Puget. Then I can literally just have my staff on, on some sort of salary and then just go do it. And, and then the machine will run itself. Wow. And that's the position that I have to get the show to, especially mm -hmm. if one of these movies runs. Because I'm going to get pulled off on a movie. Oh. And so I have to be able to hand the reins to Liam and then literally just have enough time to do once a week, sit down, do a podcast, and then he takes it and runs with it. Right. And to do that sort of thing and to have someone be committed to that, you have to pay them. Right. Yeah, you have to. It's, it, we're going to hit that point soon. So we have to like that's what I was doing today. I'm just doing the hard grind on trying to find a, a bunch of other sponsors. And then the problem with sponsorships is that you have to find people that you believe in, mm -hmm. especially in a show like my show, where it's like um, I'm constantly pulling the fucking rug out from all, all these other people that have shitty sponsors and that do really shitty fucking CD things where you just yeah. You know, I'm about to do a whole video that just breaks down, breaks down this other guy's video that's a sponsor video because I think it, I have to. Um, and, and so Ooh, that's juicy. That's you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. There's something to be said about a bit of a, a bit of controversy, though. Um, yeah. Like for me personally, I try like in my in my personal life, um, I have my own live content and, and social media accounts and things like that. And um 
I try to stay fairly neutral. I try, or I have in the past, and I'm learning that you can't. Like you have to draw a line somewhere. You have to take a stand. You have to. You have to show that you believe in something, and and take um, the criticism for it. You know, like I'm not a big fan of overclocking and I kind of, it wasn't an argument or anything, but just recently on social media, I, I kind of was like, well, like, what's the point? What, what yeah. kind of performance gains did you really get from your overclock? And now how long is your, your, you know, your hardware going to last because you're pushing it beyond what, what it's rated for. And it, and it's probably the most engagement that I've had on social media. And so like you may not want to like poke the the bee's nest, but at some point you do you do have to say, hey, look, I don't think that this is right, and and stand by it. I think. I agree. And then overclocking, it's like putting nitrous in your fucking streetcar. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like why do that? Why do right. that? You're just gonna blow your fucking piston rings. You're just gonna blow everything apart. Yeah. Like, oh, because I can get off that line. From that stoplight on the way to Ralph's, yeah. a third of a second quicker. Yeah. So I got that nitrous in my ride. Although my ground effects on that thing make it so that I can't take a fucking speed bump. Right. So it's, and, cool. it's good. And, it's and but that's a, that's an interesting analogy with with cars, right? There's there's a difference between like a, a, a performance dragster, right? A guy who works his Honda, like you can, you can get a Honda Civic to a thousand horsepower, but you're not driving that to work every day. You could take that to the track once a month, once a week or whatever, and blow the socks off of everybody. And, but there's, there's a lot of work that goes into making sure that it doesn't explode when you first come out with, you know, how many, how many YouTube videos have you seen of the thing of cars like that just explode? Yeah. You know, or fall to pieces before they make it to the end of the track. And that's the exact same kind of thing. There are, when it comes to computers, I mean, there are avenues like extreme overclocking when you start getting into liquid nitrogen and stuff where the entire point is to put up big numbers. And that's great. That stuff is mind-blowing. Pushing CPUs to 8 gigahertz and things like that, amazing. But you're not doing real work with that. You can't do that all day. That's good for 10 seconds. Yeah. Just like those dragsters. And so it's it's silly sometimes to to have, you know, your Fast and the Furious car type computer. But what do you really do with it? You're going to get an extra five, you know, f frames per second in Call of Duty. For what? You yeah. know, for bragging rights. And it's the same as like the, the streetcar scene where like you're just all sitting around in a circle in a Walmart parking lot bragging to each other. I, I'm... It's <laughs> a valid point because um, I think the thing that I get irritated with, I'm sure you do, the thing that I get irritated with that sort of mentality is that they're so hyper-focused on the gear. They're so mm. hyper-focused on the numbers. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so you're a fucking crazy person, first off. And then second, what do you make? Right. What do you do? And there are so many people in our industry that are so hyper-focused on the gear and on like the resolution and what this stuff is doing. And I'm like, fucking fantastic. I was standing in line with uh, a bunch of people and I went to this event, um, a local event on, uh, on lighting. And it had been a long time. I had just moved out to Los Angeles and it had been a long time that I've been to one of these techie events that had a fucking line. Like this thing like wrapped around the building. Wow. This long ass line. It was for an aperture event. Oh, um, they're good people. Great people. I, I had Ted on our show and him and I actually talked about this a lot. Um, and I'm standing there in this line and I'm standing with, with peers and I'm standing with other gear people that like watch gear things on YouTube. Essentially. Mm -hmm. And these people are just talking, sort of like peacocking with like, what camera do you use? You know, and like, what, what's the resolution on that camera? And they're just sort of spouting the stuff that they had memorized from the sales pitches of this gear. And they're just sort of doing this stuff. And I'm sitting there going, show me something that you've made. Right. Show me something that you've done. Instead of like posturing with what gear you own, Show me the cool thing that you've done with it. Right. And it occurred to me at that point that some it is harder to create something 
than it is to buy something. Oh, for sure. And so I think the cheat code, I think, for a lot of people to say that they work in an industry is by purchasing things that put them in that industry. Yeah. Um, and then they're realizing that there's no shelf life because mm. you're, you're only as good for, as long as that expiration date is on that piece of equipment that you're that you're using to promote yourself. It's interesting that that's, I suppose, I mean, and I'm way outside this sort of stuff, but so from, from looking in, um, it's interesting to see that people kind of still peacock in that way when I've seen, you know, you see those, you see those iPhone commercials that are filmed on the iPhone six or whatever, and it's gorgeous. It's amazing. And I imagine some of that's post, like it's tweaked and edited and color graded and things. And it makes, they, they do a lot to make it look pretty, but to think, to think, I mean, I've seen, I've seen some pretty cool YouTube stuff too, where it's just one or two people with a, a, a gimbal and their cell phone. Um, like, um, I can't remember the, the channel now, but there's some guys out of like West Africa that do action movies. Uh, and, and that's, a, that's all they do. That's all they have are like iPhones and yeah, it's super cheese. Like, but they're making stuff and they're doing the best they can with, with the equipment that they have and the knowledge base that they have. And Hey, it's better than I could do. Sure. And that's cool. And, and I think that ties like what you're saying, show me what you're doing. Like, yeah, you could, you could go down to whatever and buy a blown out Corvette, you know, but then are you racing it or does it sit in your garage? Yeah, yeah no. And dude, being a kid that used to work on cars when I was younger and I thought that that was my thing. I used to help my buddy's dad uh, refurbish like old, we, used to, we built Corvettes from scratch. We like did DeLoreans. We did all sorts of really cool cars. Um, and you sort of see these these people that buy these things. And you're, you're just sort of like, so we made you this souped-up fucking car that when you sw- when you shift in the third gear, it still spins the tires. And where are you going? Yeah, going to the grocery store. All <laughs> hummers and shit. Where it's just like, you going to Iraq or you going down to the auto parts store for, with this? Right. Thing? Like, what? All right, and it's posturing. It's yeah. Just posturing, you know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I like to try to. I like to try to filter, filter through that, especially in our business, because I often get emails or questions or comments, and it's like, "What camera did you shoot with? Or what did you?" And I go, "It doesn't fucking matter." Yeah. Right. Does it though? I mean. No. Yeah. There's a there's 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 a tool for every job, and I think that the the trick is to come up with the job first. Come up with the idea first and then research the tool that works for that idea instead of the other way around, which a lot of manufacturers want you to think, which is like buy this thing and it's a one-stop tool for everything. And not only that, welcome to our cult. Oh, sure. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to our cult where we have glass front stores and staircases that spiral up and then our employees clap when you walk out and purchase something. <laughs> You're like, God, where's where's Charles Manson? Yes. Not, not a fan of Apple, then I, I take it. Oh, <laughs> Welcome to the cult. I, I, not look, I'm a I'm a PC guy through and through myself. Um, but there is something to be said about a unified ecosystem. Sure. It it is really really easy. It and and, and because of their sort of walled garden. Um, thought process or whatever they are able to control the user experience and that and that 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 goes a long way yeah but then we come back to that you know what i love about it is that if you go back to their original advertisement the one that think different the the 1985 one remember the the really style one where it was like everybody's under control and they're all oh the big brother one yeah they're all yeah they're doing their shit and then it's like you just want to go like 2015, this is Apple. <laughs> like, they've literally become the, the person that they said that they were. So the, that's true. It's funny, dude. Wow. And yeah. dude, I get it. If you control your hardware and you control the software, then you can never have problems. And and 
the mindset with with most people is they're gonna fuck it up. Mm-hmm. They're gonna screw it up one way or another. So let, let's just have a level of control. But then the side effect of that control is yeah. But then we can also control how much it costs. Yep. Jack that shit up, and then oh, guess what? All our cables are our own kind of cables. Yeah. And then you're just like, as the individual, they're like, hey, sign up for a Barclay credit card. And then the next thing you know, you're just like, I have to buy a new one, and I still haven't paid off the old shit. Yeah. So. Yeah, you would, yeah. Wow, well, that goes down a whole different kind I know, of path. Because, yeah. <laughs> um, we're, we're just about at the end of our hour. Um is there anything else you would like to talk about before we, we say goodbye? Any, this would be the time to shout out, to, to promote to the you know six or seven people who are watching right now. <laughs> uh, I mean, for the basic promotional shit, like you guys advertise me a lot. So like if you go to... I, I try. I try real hard to, to stay up on your stuff. Because <laughs> that is all, that is on me, by the way. Um, all the social media stuff is, is me. I'll remember that now. Yeah, so um, you know who to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, simply done, just follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy, and then there I'm advertising everything. You'll be able to find anything and everything that we, that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we got some stuff coming out. I just shot some stuff for you guys. Yes, I'm, which I'm, I'm just starting to tease a little bit out uh, on, on our Instagram, on Puget Systems Puget Instagram. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really excited for that. So that'll yeah, be really cool. Some new, new stuff that we shot with you guys. And then, uh, you know, just chilling, hanging out, staying sane, getting fat. Huh. You. you know what I mean? Which, I mean, I wish we had gotten a chance to talk a little bit more about the barbecue because I'm super jealous. Per, on a personal level, I see some of those those shots and I'm like, oh, I can't. Do, do, I wish I had a proper smoker? I do not. All right. So you're moving into a new place. Does yep. the place have a backyard? Yes. Okay. Get yourself a smoker. Very <laughs> inexpensive. You can get yourself like a Weber bullet smoker for like the small version for like 99 bucks. Okay. Get yourself a smoker. Make yourself some wood. It is super easy. Okay. The most satisfying fucking thing you can do. I'm sure it'll end up murdering me at some point. But in the meantime, I'm living a good life before I get yeah. Right. We're here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So yeah, get yourself a smoker. All right, that'll be good. Well, you you heard it here first. Get yourself a smoker <laughs> from my from my fishy. <laughs> uh, increase your quality of life. <laughs> yeah, decrease your length of life. Increase the quality. There it is. Oh. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of the day to, to chit chat with me and uh, and spread the good word about um, the podcast and filmmaking and, and your perspective on everything. It's it's been a blast. Thank it's you. It's been a great much. podcast. And you've been a really good host. So thank you, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. Cool. Um, well, then uh, I'm I'm certain we'll have more talks with you in the future. You're you're great. So uh, I look forward to that. And um, I guess. And to the audience as well, thank you all for hanging out and uh, being awesome as always. And uh, look forward to, we're going to try and do this every week on Wednesday. And then we also have um, the live office hour with um, our labs team on Fridays right around this same time. So tune into that as well. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. See you, brother.